Welcome. I'm Penny Stack, and I'm glad you've joined us today as we take a deep dive into all things educate to advocate. Growing up with undiagnosed dyslexia, as a mother of a child with dyslexia, and as an occupational therapist working with hundreds of children with dyslexia through the Dyslexia Center of Tulsa, the Educate to Advocate podcast was born. My mission, it's simple, is to create a safe space to explore the lived experiences of learning differences that go beyond the classroom for parents, teachers, therapists, and everyone in between. You are not alone. Understanding the tears and celebrating the wins from my heart to your home. Today is Certified Holistic Health and Life Coach Alicia Alessi Barnes from Highest Potential Mind and Body. Alicia is originally from New York, but has lived in the Tulsa area for 23 years. She is a wife, mother, grandmother, medical intuitive, holistic health coach, intuitive life coach, and an entrepreneur. Owning and managing multiple businesses over the past 20 years, Highest Potential Mind and Body is her newest endeavor, combining coaching services with holistic treatments for the body. Alicia is also the Director of Operations for Tensegrity Chiropractic in Midtown Tulsa. Her passion and expertise through the mind-body connection, helping people break out of the toxic lifestyle habits that are holding them back from their highest potential in every area of life. Understanding how the subconscious mind works, how the body responds, holistic health trauma recovery, how unhealed childhood issues play out in adult relationships and parenting, whether it be toxic thoughts from unhealed trauma affecting relationships or unhealthy eating habits that are contributing to sickness and illness. Alicia, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I am so glad you're with us today. Nutrition is such an important topic, and it seems to be taking on a bigger topic just where where the times are. Holistic health resonates with me as an occupational therapist. That's why I've always found it so interesting that often learning differences are associated with or on a few characteristics. For example, people always associate dyslexia with reading struggles. When most treatment interventions then focus on phonics skills, when in fact the causes and characteristics of learning differences are so multifaceted. Absolutely. So where to begin? Like even just thinking about that, there's a lot that goes into that. And so I know when I've worked with kiddos, in my experience, I've observed varying levels of alertness or engagement or enthusiasm, that learning is often tied to sleep patterns, physical activity, lack of or too much, depending on their level of stimulation and nutrition. Absolutely. So you do a lot of work with nutrition. And from your experience, how does nutrition impact the brain's ability to be its best self for learning? Oh, it's incredibly impactful. For instance, sugar causes brain inflammation. Most parents feed their child a breakfast that contains high amounts of sugar, whether it's cereal or Pop-Tarts or whatever. And so then the child goes to school, they're experiencing brain inflammation, makes them jittery, makes them hyper. They can't learn as well. They can't stay focused. Then they might have a sugar crash later in the day. So there's a lot of things just simply feeding a child a sugary breakfast can definitely interfere with learning. So then... You are a mom. Yes. And you have grandkids. Yes. So you're kind of on both ends. Like you remember what it's like being a mom and now you've got these beautiful grandkids running in and out of your your life. So how do you do that? 
you know, you're a mom in the morning, you've got one kid spitting up on you, <laughs> you have another kid that's forgetting their backpack. I mean, how do you get it together to the point where you're really, you really can be mindful and intentional to doing a healthy breakfast in the short amount of time you have to get out the door in the morning? Right. Well, what do you do? Honestly, planning. Someone who is, you know, they know they're going to be rushed. They need to do some prep the night before, whether it's, you know, laying out the outfits to give them more time to cook breakfast or whether it's preparing partial breakfast foods in, in the evening to be ready for breakfast in the morning. There's a lot that can be done. And cooking a healthy breakfast is not necessarily something that is very time consuming. It only takes a few minutes to make an egg. Um, you know, it's it's not really, it's not, I'm not saying you need to cook them a five course meal for breakfast, but it's, it's not hard to give a child something healthy. And a lot of kids can't have eggs, but there's other alternatives other than sugary Like your breakfast. overnight oats or, yes, or just yes. things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of healthy things, even fruit and, and different veggies that it, depending on how you offer them to the children, they don't necessarily have to have breakfast foods. They can have foods, like there's one whole way of eating that is very much about having your breakfast plate looks like more like a dinner plate. And having it, you know, this the idea of having some healthy source of meat and a healthy vegetable or something. So w- when you are raising children, you really have this incredible freedom to do whatever you want to do. And in the way it's done in your household doesn't need to match what other people do. So if you want to feed your child a very healthy breakfast that might look more like a nutritious dinner than a, a traditional American breakfast of cereal or a Pop-Tart, you can do that. You have the freedom to do that. And, and that is something that I think a lot of parents stay stuck, especially however they were raised. That's right. a lot of time and what they pass on, but you're also going to pass on your health issues. You're also going to pass on all the problems. And any longer, there's really no excuse because we now we know. We didn't know 40, 50 years ago. Now we know what sugar does to a child's body and, and all the impacts that they have. And you know, as far as a lot of kids go, they're being diagnosed with ADHD or ADD, and it could absolutely be, it's it, 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 maybe it's the nutrition, maybe it's the sugar and the caffeine that the kids are getting from their diet. And had all those things been removed and good proper nutrition as the focus focus, you might have a child that's completely differently. And I've seen it happen. That's exactly right. And I think about your comment about breakfast food doesn't have to be breakfast food. Right. So in the past couple of years, I've been undergoing just lots of different experiences with my own eating habits. And I was told how important breakfast was. And I'm like, I don't even like breakfast. I was the person that grabbed my cup of tea or my coffee and left. Absolutely. And I didn't eat maybe till 10 or 12 o'clock. And or sometimes I'd grab something really unhealthy at 10 o'clock to eat. Right. And then I started thinking, Okay, I have to do this. My health depends on it, but I don't like breakfast. So then I decided instead of calling it breakfast, how about just eating? Right. And, like, <laughs> let's not make this complicated. Yes. And and looking in the refrigerator, what looks good? What do I want to eat? Yes. What tastes good? So I would have sometimes on my breakfast plate, a thing of smoked salmon, maybe some olives, you know, my That's affinity fantastic. for olives, right. and maybe some fruit. And did it look like breakfast? No. Was right. I full? Did I feel alert? Did I not feel groggy? Yes. And so I finally gave up that mindset of what breakfast has to be and just started. And when I started eating, sometimes I even had salads for breakfast, Mm -hmm. which by the way, I love salads any time of day. So you're right. I think if there's something that your kiddo just really enjoys, who cares what time of day they're eating it? So thank you for mentioning that. That's huge. So that also leads us into, was I a picky eater or what about our picky eaters? 
right? So right. how does that work? Well, okay, so that's complicated because most parents are tired, they're stressed, they're overworked, and they don't want to fight with a the kid. They don't want to play a mind game with them, right? But sometimes you kind of have to be the stronger person, right? And not let the kid wear you out. And most of us do want to give up because we just want the kid to comply or, or eat or whatever. But here's the thing, honestly, with children, if all you do is feed them chicken nuggets and french fries, that's all they're ever going to want to eat. And you're, you are creating their flavor profile that they're going to long for even as an adult as they're, when they're a small child. Right. So if you introduce a lot of different exotic foods and flavor profiles when they're very young, they will come to eat it when they're older and you won't have a picky eater to begin with. For instance, my grandkids were eating sardines at two and three years old. Oh, wow. And they loved them. We would create an entire Mediterranean platter. I mean, my family has is Mediterranean. So it was very you know natural for us to do. But so you're, you're talking, here's a two-year-old who loves sardines, olives, goat cheese, and you know, a healthy cracker of some kind. You know what I mean? So you really can take a child and now children will kind of intuitively, when they're very young, avoid foods that are not good for them. Okay. Oh, they will, there is a bit of an intuitive nature to that. But after a kid's three or so, it's more like they just want what's familiar right. and whatever taste profile they are now accustomed to. Okay. So when you are dealing with a picky eater, the thing to do is to introduce a new food before dinner. So if you're if you're if you know that they're very picky and you want to try to get them to have a bite of salmon or something because that is really one of the absolute best foods right. wild caught salmon not not farm raised wild caught salmon has the omega 3s that really are good for the brain that will actually help a child it does the reverse of what sugar does it literally lowers inflammation and, and increases the brain capacity for them to go to school so i eat a smoked salmon for breakfast all the time awesome okay <laughs> so i love it especially and then and the the fun thing is too if you travel to europe or other areas they do eat lunch meats right. and, and cheeses right. and things for breakfast that we do not eat here. We have a very unique way of eating and our society is suffering for it. But back to the idea of if you have a very picky eater, you wait till they're extremely hungry, and then you put the new food you're wanting to in introduce on that plate alone and let them touch it, let them sniff it, let them play with it. And don't act like you're doing a big deal, just as this is something new to eat. But it, let them do what they want to do with it. Maybe they taste it, maybe they don't, but you're getting them familiar. And then maybe they take a bite because they're very hungry. You don't try to introduce new food when there's other foods that they already love on the plate because they won't touch it. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks that you can do, and you just keep introducing the food to where they no longer are shocked by the appearance or it's not different or they're they become basically desensitized to it you can also you know incorporate more veggies like that's what we do with my husband's children I will prepare veggies and stuff like that first that's what they, they are served that first then after they're hungry and they eat that then they might get the sweet potato fries and if and if my husband is doing chicken nuggets they're organic and gluten-free you can be certain about that <laughs> but we do give our kids chicken nuggets I'm not saying it's a, a terrible thing to do but there needs to be something healthy, you know, that's not just cooked. And and I'll tell people, try to, when they're first starting out, try to serve your kids something fresh every day. Okay. So whether it's some berries, whether it's some apple slices or something like that. Snap start peas with, yes, are my favorite yes, vegetable absolutely. to snack on. And so start with something fresh each day and then maybe go to something fresh each meal. And then, you know, it just goes from there. Then if I, if I know I'm already working with someone and they eat something fresh with each meal, then I'm like, okay, now we want to talk about the colors of the fruits and vegetables that you're eating. Here's the other flip side of this. So I'm on the other end okay. of that life journey where my daughter has left the house and she's in college now. And it's so funny because she'll come home and one of the first things she'll ask for is, mom, is there a salad? Like I haven't seen fruit or fresh vegetable in months and just something like she's begging for it. And I just love that craving. And I notice if I'm eating relatively healthy for a span and then 
I go off the rails and have something I know I shouldn't have, give it a few days, I am like clawing to get yes. some fresh yes. vegetables or fruit in my body. Like you just start craving it, which is because our body naturally is saying this fits us. Well, that's what hunger is. Hunger is a request for nutrients. So if you are, if you feel hungry, your body needs some nutrients. But if you go order a burger and fries, there's no nutrient. That's nutrient void. You know what I mean? So then the, that, that's another reason that so many people are overweight nowadays because they continuously feel hungry because they're not giving their body the nutrients they require. So the body keeps sending the signal, hey, you're hungry, please go eat some vegetables, but you're going to go get a, a snack from Starbucks. Right. So then you're, you will just continuously feel hungry and, and the nutrient requirements that you have are not being met. And so, and it's really hard to be really honest. It's exceptionally hard to just eat healthy enough to get all the nutrient requirements that we we need for just basic health. Okay. So the food that we eat now is so nutrient depleted because of our farming methods. All the nutrients in food come from the soil. Even, even if you're eating beef, the nutrient content of the beef is based on this the quality of the grass that the cow is eating. The quality of the grass is based on the soil. It all goes back to the soil. And traditional farming methods especially in the United States, we don't let the soil rest. We use harmful chemicals and fertilizers that actually deplete the soil of nutrients. So no one is really eating, no matter how healthy you think you're eating, you're probably not getting the actual nutrient requirements you need in a day. So I meet a lot of people who say, well, I don't take any supplements. I just eat healthy. And I'm like, well, you're not eating 10, 10 oranges a day. You're not eating enough spinach in a day to get the iron requirements that you really need because you would have to eat so much that it's just not even practical at this point. So I am a proponent of supplements as long as they are made in a quality, you know, by a quality brand. But that's, that's just something like, you know, people are eating food that has no nutritional value. And then their bodies are breaking down. They can't concentrate. They can't think. And it's just magnified in children. Now, children are very resistant or resilient. I'm sorry. So children, if you are feeding them something, they're going to react very quickly, okay, to whatever you give them. But then at the same time, their bodies are are more resilient on to, to kind of overcome and rebound from something negative. As you get older, that's why people's bodies start breaking down. It can tolerate it for about 30 years and 30 mid 30s your body's like you know what we can't tolerate this anymore you got to eat healthy where you, all this junk you're eating is now causing health issues and and it can no longer bounce back the way it used to and we um, talk health issues we're talking diabetes heart disease absolutely um autoimmune yes. all these chronic illnesses yes. that most of those are brought on ourselves exactly. by, by our dietary and lifestyle right. habits. There's very few, even genetic illnesses. So people will think that something is genetic and it runs in the family. You can have the gene for it. It doesn't mean you have to develop that illness, though. And the way that you determine which genes are switched on and off is by nutrient load. So you can literally control, you could have the breast cancer gene and not get breast cancer if you live a healthy lifestyle and you eat healthy foods. So just because something's genetic doesn't mean that that gene has to be expressed in your particular life. It just means that you need to be ultra careful in that area. So the body is, is an incredible, incredible device. It really is. And if you give it what it needs, it will do its job. It can be vibrant and healthy for well over a hundred years, as we know from the research of the blue zones around the world going to say the blue yes. zones. Yes. You know, we have people who are 104, they're still working, they're still riding their bike, they're still gardening, they're still active lifestyle. And in America, because of our diet, we have to warehouse the elderly. We have to put them in nursing homes. They regress to almost infancy because of diet and lifestyle. So we know the difference is food, nutrition. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is a lot. Sorry. To unpack. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm passionate about this stuff. And that so is I have why you were here, right? Because 
when we're looking at learning differences, I think the focus of treatment is remediation. Yes. How do we teach this differently? It's always the first go-to. And we're looking at a whole person. And from my experience in my research, anxiety, depression, decisions about hobbies we're going to engage in, career choices we'll make, clubs we'll participate at school, friendships, they all are rooted from whatever learning differences this is. 100%. I'm working with a teenager right now and his wall is so high. You know, and some people may see it as a behavior issue, but when you start peeling those onion layers back, he's so afraid people are going to see, you know, that he might struggle that he's terrified. He's terrified to just let it down. And I'm thinking that has to be exhausting. It has to be emotionally exhausting. The hormones in your body have to be going a mile a minute. I'm thinking the chronic illness that can happen from that years later from that it's stress on the body and constantly Absolutely. living in that. So these learning differences are not just about learning. They're not about reading. Right. They're not about articulation. They're not about whatever you think it's about. That's the symptom you're seeing. 100%. Right? Like that's just the leftover piece. There's something else. And going back to that root cause of nutrition. And that's basically the entirety of our medical system right there. Right. They, they look at the symptom and they want to prescribe a medication that will suppress the symptom instead of getting to the root issue of whatever is going on. And whether it's mental health or physical health, you're, it's exactly the same. The root cause needs to be addressed, not a medication to suppress a symptom of the root cause. That's exactly. And so we talk about that. We talk about, you, you've, you've touched a little bit on chronic illness and you've talked a little bit on mental health. And I, I want to go back there because... Trauma can interfere how broca motor, which is the language processing part of the brain, works. And when kiddos go in for testing, they will be diagnosed with dyslexia and be treated for dyslexia when it could be trauma. And trauma is very subjective. Yes. You know, which traumatic to me may not be to you and vice versa. So there's lots of context about trauma. And in prior podcasts, we've taught, we've addressed trauma because we cannot talk about learning differences without addressing trauma. Just having the learning difference alone is traumatic. Yes. Their experience. It it doesn't mean other things can happen. Like a lot of parents who come to me, I have on our questionnaire, has your child experienced trauma, physical or psychological? On psychological, most parents say no. And then when you ask the kid, you know, self-esteem, self-concept issues, it's clear that it's there. And so we've talked about in the past on the podcast, what is trauma? We've given some context as to what that is. And we've given context as into how to support trauma. For example, I am not a trauma specialist. Teachers may not be a trauma specialist, but what can we do to support? How do we refer? How do we recognize things? So we're bringing the, this team around this child. So when all else fails and not everybody gets their trauma addressed, you've seen them on the other side, right? Because kids with trauma grow up with trauma did I say drama? Well, you know why? <laughs> Either way, yes. Either way, I think it's probably accurate. When kids with trauma grow up, they become adults with trauma. Absolutely. With multi-layers, yes. and they've just been surviving. So how does that impact the cells of the body, nutrition, chronic illness, like what's happening now? So yes, trauma can be stored in the body. Absolutely. And my husband is actually a specialist in dealing with this, releasing traumatic emotions and and from causing issues in the physical body. And we see this all the time. This is our specialty at his office. So what, what can happen is, first of all, the first thing I would like to say is don't ever judge trauma. Don't ever compare trauma. You know, let's say two people experience the same series of events, but based on one person's childhood, they were better equipped to handle the trauma emotionally 
or mentally than another person. So you can never really say, well, that happened to me and I'm fine. You can never judge trauma, okay? And you, if you haven't experienced a lot of trauma yourself, then you may not be able to be very empathic or empathetic or sympathetic, either one, to somebody else's trauma. So it's very important from the very beginning that you don't think you know what trauma is or is not in another person. That's the first thing I would like to say. The second thing is absolute trauma carries generationally and can cause all kinds of problems with child raising for an adult who has unhealed trauma. Let me give you an example. So there was a woman who I worked with. A lot of parents want to bring their kids to me to work with, with their kids. Most of the time, I end up just working with the parents because children are reactionary. Children don't control their environment. So if a child is reacting in a negative way to something that's happening in their life, then I need to work with the parent on that, not the child. I can't fix the child's reaction to something that shouldn't even be taking place in the home in the first place. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate having you here today, sharing all this with us, but you are absolutely welcome. And thank you. However, I now have three questions I want to ask okay. you okay. just because I love to get our, our know, get to know our guest speakers a little bit better. Sure. So here you go. What is your greatest wish? My greatest wish is that people would realize that you can heal from anything. You can heal from childhood trauma. You can heal from childhood sexual abuse. You can heal from domestic abuse. You can heal from everything, from physical things. As long as you are still breathing, your body still has the ability to heal, but so does your brain, your heart, your mind. Every part of you can heal. You have to be committed to the process of healing. It's not easy. It's not something that is to be taken lightly. You have to really be committed to the process, but you absolutely can completely change your life if you want to bad enough. And what I love about this is this was a very personal journey for, for yes. you. It started from a personal journey. You are not only talking the talk, but you've walked the walk. 100%. And I, I love that authenticity that comes, comes with it. So if fear, money and time were not a factor, what would you most like to do in life? Okay, well, fear, money, and time are not a factor for me. I am already doing exactly what I want to do in life. I am getting information into people's hands who need it that you can absolutely change your life in so many ways. And I previously, in years past, I've done a lot of seminars and things like that. I'm going to be starting that again. My, my dream is just to get this information to as many people as possible and just to let them know there is hope. There is a better way. You are not bound to what your genetics or your past trauma or your lifestyle now. Anything can be improved. Everything can be be made better by certain very simplistic processes, but you just have to be committed and, and you have to be willing to give up any aspect of yourself that ever any of your bad behaviors or traumas or anything like that, bad habits, any excuses that you have for them. You have to be willing to give that up. And then if you are, you can have an amazing life no matter what you have ever experienced before. Right. And I think you can attest to this. I, I know I personally can just be on a similar journey in terms of healing from nutrition. We know that this is not an easy ask. Yes. That, you yes. know, I mean, I love gluten. Like I love pastries. Yes. <laughs> so we empathize with you. Yes. But Alicia, you are a ray of hope in Thank this you. whole, in this whole discussion that we're having. And we hope that you leave today feeling empowered to advocate. Thank you for making the Educate to Advocate podcast a small part of your day. We would love to hear from you and what's on your mind. Email us at educate to advocate at gmail.com. Listen for your topic to be on a future podcast. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe and listen to where podcasts are found.